0: It is uh, good to be together again this morning, and uh, as uh, has been mentioned, we're in the year of the Bible, and we're reading through the Bible together as Lutheran Church of Hope. Uh, one church, multiple occasions, uh, we're all doing this together. And uh, as we've talked about, that the, the ultimate goal this year is to not get through the Bible. If you've been doing the Bible readings individually in your small group, the goal is not to get through the Bible, but to let the Bible get through you, and to let it take shape in you, and to let it take root in you, and, uh, and that we would not only be hearers of the word, that we would be doers of the word. And so as we talk through some of these verses today, as, as we listen to God's word, let that be our prayer together, that we're not here to just come for an hour on a Sunday morning and hear some good ideas, but we're here to be sent back out because we've heard the word and now we're going to do something about it. We're going to be people of action. And uh, if, you're, if you're new with us today, if this is one of your first few times, um, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. And we don't believe it's an accident that you're here. We believe that God has you here for a reason and uh, that, that this is a safe place for you. It's a safe place for you to come uh, with your questions, with your doubts, because you're among a bunch of imperfect people. <laughs> Those people sitting next to you this morning are a bunch of imperfect people that have doubts and that have questions. And that we don't have it all together. And that's why we're here. Because we're learning to follow Jesus together. And at, at City Branch, we like to keep things very simple. We like to keep things very straightforward. And so with that, our number one thing is that we believe that Jesus changes lives. We're here because we believe that Jesus can transform people's lives. That, and, and Jesus welcomes us here this morning with open arms. And if, if he was here this morning, you'd just be standing right here, and you'd just have open arms, and you'd just say, I am so glad that every single one of you are here. Because here's the truth this morning, that I think that I, what I believe is that Jesus loves you. God, God loves you right where you're at this morning. Even if you've, if you've been coming to worship for a long time, or this is your first time in a long time, no matter if you've read your Bible in the last eight years, God loves you exactly where you're at this morning, but he refuses to leave you that way. (laughs) He refuses to leave you that way because he wants to make you like his son. He loves you right where you're at, but he wants to change you and he wants to challenge us this morning. He wants to transform us. And so we're going to let his word challenge us. This morning, and, and, and as we're reading through the Bible, some of you have been doing that individually in your small groups, and it's been so good to hear stories about how it's changing you. We keep hearing that all throughout Hope. It's, it's changing people. It's, it's, it's changing the way we live, as if that surprises us or something, that God's Word would have an impact in our lives. And uh, this morning, uh, so if you've, been, if you've been reading from the start, uh, we've been going through Matthew, and uh, we're starting with the New Testament, which is the second half of your Bible, And uh, it's not too late to jump on board. If you're behind, if you're just getting started today, if you're like, what is the year of the Bible? I don't know what that is. I just thought it was 2009. Well, it's the year of the Bible, and we're reading through that together. If you haven't been doing it, jump on board today. You're not too late. So today we're going to be talking about um, Matthew's gospel from about two-thirds of the way through. Um, Some passages in chapter uh, 17 18 on on the way through. And to do that, there's Bibles that are underneath the chairs here. And so if if you're uh, sitting on the end here, go ahead and just pass those down um, and, uh, just raise your hand, just kind of look down the row and raise your hand if you need one. Um, and those people will be glad to pass them down for you. We're going to be looking up some scriptures today that sometimes will be up on the screen and sometimes we'll look those up together. Um, it's just a good, good habit to get into. And uh, if you don't have a Bible at, at home, if you, if you need one, take that with you today. That's our gift to you. So just take it with you. Uh, there was a, a TV show, that was on a long time ago, and, and, uh, and uh, I believe that Bill Cosby kind of brought it back and made it a little bit more famous, probably the one that you've seen, and it's, it's called Kids Say the Darndest Things, and, uh, and, I, and I love this show, and there was an older episode a long time ago, and, and, and Bill Cosby is looking at it, he's kind of reviewing this really old episode, and um, the, the topic that was asked one time on Kids Say the Darndest Things is, is different questions about God and the Bible. And so um, I thought, just since we're reading through the Bible this year, and I think that um, it's going to speak into nicely where we're going to go today And talking about um, having childlike faith and being a servant, is that I thought we'd uh, take a look at this clip um, from Kids Say the Darnedest Things. Roxanne Burns,
1: what's your favorite Bible story? About the wine. Where? Where did it happen? When Jesus, when Jesus was born. When Jesus went where? At the wedding. At the wedding. What did he turn? What did he? How did he make the wine?
0: With his power.
1: Out of what did he make the wine? Water. That's right. Now, when Jesus made the water into wine at the wedding, that's the story. What do we learn from that story? We learned the more wine we get, the better the wedding is. <laughs> It's Adam and Eve. How does that story go? One time there was God, and God made Adam out of dust, and then he put Adam to sleep and made Eve out of a rare
0: rib. And then out of God
1: what kind of a rib? Rare. A rare rib. <laughs>
0: God said, Adam and Eve,
1: don't eat the apple tree, or I'll punish you. And then the devil came along, and kind of hypnotized them. And then the God went to see someone. And then they got real sick. And then they, and then they hided, then they hided from God, and they threw up. <laughs> Who took the first bite? Adam. Then Eve, then Eve, then Eve, um... Boy, I bet God was mad. Yeah, then God sent them to hell, and they transferred onto to, um, Los Angeles. That's good. That's, I believe that's right. We learned from this that all Adam and Eve have a, had a whole mess of baby. <laughs> How did God punish Eve? Well, um, he made Adam um, sit down and read the Bible. Boy, that was write the Bible. He sat down and wrote the Bible. Yeah. What did he do with Eve? He made her what? Oh, a housewife. <laughs> what do you think would make a perfect husband, Karen? Well, a man that provides a lot of money, loves horses, and. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll uh, let you have 22 kids and doesn't put up a fight. What do you think you'll be when you grow up? A nun. By the way, who's the boss in your house, your mother or your dad? I'm both of them. Hey, you're a diplomat, are you? No, I'm a Catholic Baptist. Sorry, Thomas. What do you think you'll be when you grow up?
0: A bus driver or a pilot.
1: A bus driver or a pilot?
0: Yes. Well,
1: suppose you were piloting on a big airplane and suddenly all four engines stopped right away. What would you say? Our father turn to everybody.
0: <laughs> Kids say the darndest things. Uh, but in the midst of all the humor and the laughter, um, there is some truth in that, and if you heard uh, the last little boy here, how interesting that he was asked, as he's going to grow up and be a pilot, what would you do if you were the pilot of a plane? And all the engines went out. Essentially he said he would pray, he started saying the Lord's Prayer and praying, which interestingly enough is what we're hearing in a lot of the reports from the 150 passengers and the crew of the plane that landed on the Hudson River recently and we know that there was probably a lot of prayers going up and how strange that kids can speak truth into situations like that but what we're seeing is that in all the interviews and if you've watched this at all on the news you know that it's absolutely incredible the way the whole thing went down. It's incredible the way that the whole thing happened that the way that the rescue came together, there the, the, the would be those pilots, those kind of pilots and their focus and, and the timing of it all and the ferry boats coming to rescue them and everything happening in sync and you think about what could have been. The absolute panic and fear that must have been throughout the plane and it was going down and then it landed on the water. And if you, if you heard about this, if you, if you, if you saw this in, in like a movie or something, you would say, that's unrealistic. I mean, It's unbelievable. That, that that many people in, in a small space under that amount of pressure, it's, it's unbelievable that it would have ended up as good as it did. And we hear that amidst the fear, amidst the chaos and the uncertainty, that some, be, some people began to lead. Some people began to step up and serve. Some of the, some of the passengers began to lead and they started calming other people down. Giving, giving orders, uh, pointing people to safety, taking their bags for them and getting them out of the exits, getting them out of the way, looking out for other people. And so the focus, when, when these servants, when these leaders stepped up, the focus was no longer on the fear and the panic. The focus was on what we can all do together so that we can survive. What can we all do together so that we can survive? A situation called for leaders who were willing to step up and serve. Situation called for people on the plane that were more concerned with the overall mission of what was going on than themselves. And the story, if you think about it, probably would not have ended up the way that it did if people had decided that their own best interest was more important than meeting the needs of those people around them. Now you could take this story a hundred different ways and a hundred different illustrations could come out of it. We could talk about heroism. We could talk about courage. We could talk about um, the, the, the amazing pilots and, and everything like that. But what I'm actually struck by as I look at this story is, is the reports that we hear of the passengers that were taking the lead and helping others who were panicking and doubting, people who stepped up and took the role of a servant, serving those around you so that we can best stay focused on the mission. What does that remind you of? A group of people committed to love and serve those people around them and to put others in front of themselves because they don't have anything to prove, because they don't have a show to put on, to stay focused on the mission. It's a beautiful illustration of the church, of a living, breathing church that's looking to others' needs before their own. And so this morning, enter Jesus into the topic. Enter Jesus into the discussion. And another one of these teachings from Jesus, as we've been reading through Matthew, that kind of cuts right to the heart of the question. Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter for us this morning. And the question is, what is your calling in life? What kind of a life are you going to live? Are you going to live to be a servant, or are you going to live to be served? What kind of a life are you going to live to serve or to fight for the highest position, to serve or to try to gather as many things as you can, to gather as much power and authority and popularity as you can. Which way are we called to live? Well, let's talk about some of these passages that that we've probably been reading about. I want to start a few chapters uh, earlier than the, the scripture we heard from Matthew 20. And so today I want to start in Matthew chapter 18. So if you can flip with me to Matthew chapter 18. I'll give you a a second to find it here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and this is some excellent teaching from Jesus here, but it challenges us. It challenges us. Matthew 18. We're just going to start at the first verse. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And, and, and the disciples are, are at this point, they've been with Jesus for a while, but they're still trying to figure out what this whole thing is about. And, and so they're asking some, what we might think as silly, immature questions. But in their humanness, as I'm sure many of us have, we've asked a silly question from time or two, they ask Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Essentially, Jesus, how is it that you make it to the top Of your world. What is it? What does greatness look like to you, Jesus? How do you become a true disciple? How do you get an A plus in Jesus following? (laughs) How do you know when you've really made it as a Christian? And Jesus responds, actually, in in many ways, all throughout the next five chapters with this common theme, repeating it over and over again. Actually, eleven times, Jesus encourages us and challenges us. And before we get to Jesus' response, I just want you to pause for a second, and I I want you to let Jesus' words take shape in you this morning, because whether you're hearing this for the first time or whether you've heard this many times in Bible stories and teachings and reading your Bible before, Jesus' words to us this morning are meant to kind of get under our skin a little bit, in a good way. They're meant to challenge us a little bit. So when you hear Jesus' response, let's just receive it. Let's just receive it as it is. With an open heart. And so Jesus responds, and he says, The people that are on top, the people that are ultimately in charge in this world, are not the people that the world says are the greatest. It's not the people that the world says are in charge. Jesus says this in verse 3 I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sin and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest. It's the kids. Jesus is saying it's the kids. It's, it's those people that don't assume any position of authority, that think they've earned something, that they, don't, they assume that they don't deserve anything, but they kind of have that sort of faith and that sort of trust that being loved is enough. That I don't have to earn anything. I don't have to prove anything. I I don't deserve it, but I receive it because it's grace. And that being loved is enough. It's the kids. And so Jesus goes on. You don't have to look this up. I'm just going to go through some of these fast. Again, chapter 19, the next chapter, verse 14. Jesus says again, Let the little children come to me. The disciples are saying, No, 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 Jesus, you have better things to do. You have more important people. The people that are really in charge. Jesus says, No, I want to hang out with the kids. Give me the kids. Come hang out with me. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to those that are like these children. Again, chapter 19, verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Just receive that for a second. Just chew on that for a little bit wait a minute. What Jesus is saying is that this is definitely not what we're told every day by our culture, by our world. Jesus is taking the cultural norm of our day and he's flipping it upside down and he's saying, no, this is the truth. This is the reality. Jesus is saying, yes, and, and we all know that from a surface view, when you and I go through our days, when we, when we look in the media, when we look in the news, or reading and seeing what's going on in our world, from a surface view, yes, it looks like it's all about the people that have it all together, the people that are on top, the people that are in charge, the people that are popular, the people that have all the money. We can't go a day without reading about what this celebrity did or what they did or, or this, this sports figure signed a new multi-million dollar contract with more money than they even know what to do with. And we say, wow, that must be what it's all about. If I can just get there, that's when I've arrived in life. But if you look a little bit deeper, if that's what it's really all about, just go with me for a second here, then if the ultimate goal in this life is to have the power, to be on top, to get the promotion, to climb the ladder as high as you can, to be in charge, then wouldn't it be that those people that have got that status, wouldn't it be that they're probably the most satisfied that they have the most peace, that they're experiencing the most freedom in their life. Their their souls would be satisfied, right? Because who needs to serve if you've got everything already? Who needs to serve if your needs are already being met? And so maybe that's not the case. Because we also read stories of these same people that seem to have it all. And to seem have to have life all figured out. And they're running in so many different directions just looking for the next thrill. I need something more, because it's never gonna fill that void inside. And so maybe Jesus is onto something here. Maybe there's a different way to live. And 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 don't hear me incorrectly here. This is Jesus is not anti rich. <laughs> Jesus is not looking down on people that have high positions or you have to have money. He's just saying this, just be aware, just be aware that when you have so many things, that when you have so many things that you're in charge of and when you, when your life is so cluttered and, 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 and you're worried about those things and you're wrapped up in them, they might make you think that you don't need God. That's the concern here. Because if I have everything already, why do I need a savior? Because what the world says is, you're winning. He's telling those people, you're winning if you have all those things. And I don't need help. But is that really what it's all about? Because it's so easy for us to place our hope and our trust in those things that we can control on a day-to-day basis. But it's those things that we know that are fleeting. And before we know it, they're going to be gone. And money and popularity and high position are great from now. But the question for you this morning is, is that what you want your legacy to be? When, when it gets to the end of all things, is, is that what you want to pass down to the people that you're with right now? Is, is that what you want to leave behind? Are you spending your time, are, are you investing your time these days on things that are going to leave a mark for eternity? Or a hundred years from now, is any of that going to matter? What's going to matter is things that last. And so Jesus is saying, I want to teach you about things that really matter. I want to teach you what this life is all about. And one of those things is I want to teach you what it really means to be great. What it means to, to live a life that's going to have an impact and significance. And so now let's go to the scripture that we heard today. So turn with me to Matthew 20, a few more pages down. Matthew twenty twenty five, And let's see what Jesus has to say as he speaks into this. Matthew twenty twenty five. I believe we've got it up on the screen. Let's, let's actually read this together. Let's read uh, verses 25 through 28 together. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wait a minute. (laughs) This, once again, Jesus, this this is not what we hear every day. This is probably not what you hear when you're trying to get a promotion at work. This is not the high-profile position that a lot of us are looking for. And, but what Jesus is saying is, once again, he's flipping our reality upside down. He says, no, this is the way that life looks from your perspective. But from my perspective, from the truth, I'm flipping it upside down. And what Jesus is saying is that maybe the way to get to the top is actually the way down. It's a lifestyle that says, no, after you. No, you first. What, what do you need? What, what can I do for you? What can I help you with this morning? How can I make you, how can I make that person feel welcome this morning? What, what is it, sir, ma'am, what, do you, what is it that you need this morning? So who's in charge? Who's, who's got the power in this world? And Jesus says the truth is this. It's the child with that unashamed faith and trust. It's the humble, it's the, it's the servant's. It's the servant hearted. It's people that have experienced the God of the universe who is willing to become a servant and they're so overwhelmed with gratitude that the fact that the God of the universe would come down and wash your feet, that those people are overwhelmed and that they say, that's what I'm going to do then. If the God of the universe, if that's the example that he's setting, then that's what I'm supposed to do. But you may ask the question, why, why is it this way? We talk all about being servants, but John, that doesn't sound fun. Nobody signs up to be a servant. Why, why, why does Jesus push our buttons like this? And so what I think we've got to do is just take a step back here this morning and we've got to ask, what is God's number one goal for you? What is God's priority for you? Because it might be different than your current agenda that you're living. Is it to be happy Is it simply to avoid bad things? Is it to be religious? Is that that God's number one goal for you? Let's look at the Apostle Paul has to say. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's see what Paul has to say about that. Paul is writing to uh, the churches in Rome and Paul is talking about what is is really the goal? What is God's desire for you in this life? Romans 8 And let's go to verse 28. Romans 8, 28. What is God's priority for you? What is God's number one desire for you? At the end of all things, when all is said and done, Romans 8, 28 says this. Reading through verse 29. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so it seems that the ultimate goal which which God originally created for us to be is to be like his son. That's God's desire for you is to be like Jesus. God has a purpose for every single one of you. And it's this is that every single day we're looking more and more like Jesus. Not like long hair and beard and stuff like that, but we're looking more and more like Jesus in the way that we interact with each other, in our relationships, in the way that we talk, in how we spend our time, in how we serve. And so we know from the the previous text that that was read for us in Matthew 20, that very last verse, can we just go back to that slide really quick, the, the long one? Matthew, there we go, that last verse. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What was God's priority for Jesus? To serve. And so, if we're supposed to become like Jesus, and Jesus came as a servant, that's God's purpose for us. God's saying, That's how I wired you up. I wired you up so that you could make an impact and make a difference in your time on earth. Have you ever find your, found yourself asking, What should I spend my time on? How should I organize my day? How should I organize my life? And, and, and maybe some of you are maybe in a time of transition that you, you've got a new job or you have a new relationship or you just moved here or you're still kind of looking for what am I going to plug into? How am I going to spend my time? Maybe you're just in a transition in your life and you're looking, What does God really want me to do? What, what is God's purpose for me? And Jesus is saying it's this this morning be a servant leader. Let God challenge you in this way. Be a servant leader. And then, and then all that, that un, un, uncertainty and all that, that, that clarity will start to come into focus as you start living your life on purpose for the sake of others. Jesus is saying, as you get that right, <laughs> as you answer that question, what's my purpose is to become like Jesus, to be a servant leader, other things start to come into view. Because here's the truth it's hard to argue with servanthood. You had argue, have you ever had an argument with someone about whether it's good to serve? <laughs> no. <laughs> people don't argue. People can argue about all sorts of things in the church, about our theology and what color the chairs are and what songs we sing, but you can't argue with people about servanthood. And as I mentioned earlier in our time yesterday as we're handing free hot chocolate out to people and just blessing them, I can't tell you how many looks we got. They were just very confused. And, and most of the time it was kind of like this. I don't, I don't understand. It's free? And I think one lady actually just insisted that we pay, that she pay us. She's like, I can't take that from you because it's so, it's so engraved in us that we think that we have to earn it, that we have to pay for something. Nothing's free, right? Nothing's, nothing's free. Could it be that it was just a genuine gesture of servanthood? This is where the Bible and and it immediately applying it starts to just come together and and this is really where the rubber meets the road is where rubber meets the road is what i said earlier we don't want to just be hearers of the word we want to be doers of the word and so the question for you in a really practical way is this will when you wake up tomorrow tomorrow morning when you go to work when you go to school whenever you wherever you go even if you're staying at home when you wake up tomorrow morning Will you ask God would you just get me through today? Ah, oh, I'm tired. It's Monday. It's cold outside. My car won't start. I have to scrape for 15 minutes before I can leave. God, just get me through another day. God, just just get me through my to-do list today. I got a huge to-do list to do today. Or will you wake up tomorrow morning and say this, God, would you specifically bring people and opportunities into my life? Would you cross my path with people that I can serve? Tomorrow, Monday, January 26th. God, would you bring people into my life tomorrow? Would you just randomly create these opportunities for me so that when they see me, they can have a glimpse of you because I'm serving them and through that, they'll see you. I want to be a person like that. Because it's not easy and there's something inside of us, I know for myself specifically, there's something inside of us that fights that, that says, no, I just, I'm going to get through tomorrow to get my needs met. But I don't, I want to be the kind of person that doesn't see myself as any better than those around me, but equal. And I want to look at people and I say, how can I serve you? I want to look at them with the eyes of Jesus. Jesus. Because I have a feeling that if Jesus was here this morning, he would say, can I get you another crayon for your coloring book? Can I go get some coffee for you? Can I help you get that chair? Can I take your coat for you? You first. Oh man, the last donut's gone. You first. I don't know about donuts, but... I want to be that kind of a person. I want to live today to serve. I'm going to turn over to Pastor Mike, who is our senior pastor at HOPE. For a final illustration, he's going to touch a little bit more on what it looks like to be a servant leader, what that looks like really practically. And so let's revisit that scene together and the miracle on the Hudson and see if we can't see what that looks like. What Jesus is saying to us that to be the greatest, you've got to serve. What does that look like on the miracle on the Hudson?
2: All of you are equal as brothers and sisters. All of you are equal. And it's important to remember that. It's important to put other people first. How interesting that in that plane crash, the plane that went down, there was a woman who was interviewed. And I heard her interview and I was so inspired by it. She's my hero. She was in the back row. You ever been in the back row of a plane like this? It stinks. Literally, it stinks. <laughs> She's sitting back there, and the plane goes down, and where she's sitting starts to sink. So that she said, and everybody around her concurred, the water was up to our knees and then our waist, and then it started to creep up to our shoulders. you imagine? How do you do that without flipping out? But she stayed calm, even though the woman in front of her, who had two or three kids, can't remember, was taking her kids and literally trying to climb over the seats in a panic to get out. Well, this woman in the back row, my hero, I think the unsung hero in this story, started to take charge. She reached out to the woman and says, give me your baby. And she took the baby and she held the baby dry, even though she was wet and it was coming up on her. And she started to move down, up the aisle. And she started to say with a very loud voice, Move forward. You have to move forward. Everybody move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Everybody line up and move forward. And there were some people saying, no, go to the back, go to the back. There was chaos. There was panic. Because what they were remembering is some exits are behind you. Sometimes the closest exit is behind you. So they're flying to the back to try to get out, to try to live. She took charge. Move forward! To the back is death. It's sinking. You cannot go back that way. You'll never get out. Move forward! Move forward! Turn around! Move forward! I wonder what would have happened if she didn't do that. I don't think we'd be talking about everybody living and surviving that crash. Captain wasn't back there to say it. Flight attendant wasn't back there to say it. It was just this random coincidence that she was sitting there. (laughs) Or maybe a God thing. Woman of great faith who stood up and called the world in front of her to repent. (laughs) Turn around so they could live. And who held this little child up to save this baby's life? She says, keep moving, keep moving. And she kept talking and calmed the people in front of her. And there were others doing similar things elsewhere in the plane. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. (laughs) She took charge. Who's in charge of you? Who's in charge? Who calls the shots for you? Who's Lord for you? The heavens opened up and the voice of God bellowed down. This is my Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to Him. Let Him be Lord. Let Him set you free. Let Him satisfy your soul. Let Him teach you to be a servant. What a servant's heart that woman had. She was a leader, a servant leader. Oh, she she could have played Survival of the Fittest, which I'm sure some people on that plane wanted to do. That was their sinful human nature reaction. I've got to get off this plane and I have to run over some kids to get there. So be it. I have to get off this plane. My life is on the line here and you can start to justify it. I've got a lot to live for. I've got a family. I've got my own kids. I've got stuff I need. I've got responsibilities. I've got to get off this plane all she cared about was herself, I think some people would have died. Probably not her, because she was quick enough to notice what would work and what wouldn't. But some other people would have died if she hadn't put their needs ahead of her own. Give me your baby, turn around, calm down, and move forward. Let's focus on the mission and not panic. Let's stay focused on the task.
0: I thank God that we're a church that's staying focused on the task. That we're a community that's moving forward. That's committed to being the kind of a church that's absolutely bent on reaching out to this city, that is in need of servant leaders to reach out and to love and to serve it without an agenda, but simply because that's who God wired us up to be. That's the kind of people God created us to be but it's also for you this morning when you serve your spouse when you serve your siblings when you serve your classmates and your coworkers and this community around us that your role in life truly becomes relevant that's when you become relevant and that's when we become a relevant church because you can't argue with that that's how we gain a voice to share about the hope that we found nothing could be more relevant and nothing is going to satisfy your soul at the end of the day because you were made for this you were made for this so let's stay focused on the mission as we serve and as we love city branch let's move forward move forward move forward move forward move forward